Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And this was, again, this is referencing last year's team. The Jays were old. And now we're seeing finally the transition towards youth. excites me more than a regular hot dog of which i am unsure of the contents is a one dollar hot dog <laughs> of which i am completely unsure of the contents. it's better than major league coach josh <laughs> it's hard not to be he has an actual title And welcome to episode number 124 of Artificial Turf Wars, where you can join us as we all stare into the abyss together. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight, as usual, by Joshua Housem. Josh, how's it going? Not too bad. You? Uh, it's, it's going well. I it, There is snow on the ground. There is no baseball in the air. But we do have a little bit of activity on the Blue Jays' front. All of the standard off-season stuff. Uh, a lot more coaching changes than we've had in the last two years. So we're going to update those. It seems to be set for uh, the Major League staff now on the coaching side. Um, we do have the non-tender deadline tomorrow. We've been promising we would talk about that as the 40-man filled up, etc. Uh, and the uh, guys who might not be coming back next year uh, make, make for some interesting speculation. Maybe Russell Martin is on the block. And maybe he's not. But hey... Uh, there's a lot going on with young catchers and young players on the Bla- uh, Blue Jays. We did get a list of the promotional items being given away next year, and that's that's a thing. We have your questions. We <laughs> have a do-over, uh, and we have a gold star for another former player. I We like players who have a sense of humor about things, and uh, we, got, we got a gold star for one tonight. But we begin... With the coaching staff of the 2019 Toronto Blue Jays under manager Charlie Montoyo, uh, what were the additions this week? All right, so they filled out their first base coaching position by bringing in Mike Budzinski from Cleveland. They got a new bullpen coach. Matt Bushman came from the Giants. Sorry, a Dane. Major League... <laughs> Dane. Yeah. 
Yeah. He'd been in the organization for 18 years and Dane Johnson is now officially out of a job, which is kind of sad. Mm. Uh, Shelly Duncan came from the Arizona Diamondbacks as the major league field coordinator, which I don't know exactly what that job entails. And <laughs> John Schneider was promoted for double A from double A as major league coach. That that is really bold. <laughs> them to tell us so much about about what uh, what role he would be filling in on the major league coaching staff as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the staff is complete now. It reminds me of that minor league guy on third when when the TV people didn't know the name of of uh, the prospect. Um, Oscar Tavares. Yeah, they didn't, and I mean, he was a major prospect, but this is like major league coach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> so he's probably the most significant ad in my mind uh, because he he was a successful Double A manager last year, uh, and under his tutelage have been all of these young Blue Jays that we, we might even be slightly excited about um, have come through his. Uh, his process, his his you know his organization, including of course Vlad Guerrero Jr., but not limited to that, right? There's there's a bunch of names that are are potentially going to be on that major league roster soon that know him. And he was the coach in Dunedin the year before, so he's been with these guys for two straight years. There's a lot of familiarity there, and they're also this is the second one. Guillermo Martinez, the new hitting coach, also is a minor league promotion, so. I, I would not be at all surprised if part of the reason these guys are there, we're going to get into some of the other reasons in a bit, but are the familiarity with these young players. Yeah. So we, we have uh, Danny Jansen already arrived, so to speak, um, in the September call up. And of course, we have Bo, we have Vlad, we have uh, Lourdes Guriel. Guriel, we have Biggio. Um, everything points at the Blue Jays trying to to make it as comfortable as possible for these young kids to make the move to the major leagues. As in, they're, they're all in on youth. Now, what do they do to supplement that youth? I think it's probably the question we don't know going from 2019 to 2020. I guess you, you see how 2019 turns out. Yeah, I think that's going to be the plan because, as we've just said, there's going to be a bunch of young players in the roster. And you know that doesn't even include guys like Billy McKinney, Teoscar Hernandez, even Randall Gwitschek is not that established, uh, and Brandon Drury, all these players who are not that old or are quite young, and they don't know what they are yet. So, you know, they, they'll tell the team in the front office when they should go in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and it has been a long time since I can remember a Blue Jays team that looked remotely like this. Like maybe 2009, 2010, they, they had a young pitching staff that you were sort of looking at. As a, you know, Dustin McGowan, um, Scott Markham, uh, Sean Markham, um, uh, Jesse Lich. Ricky Romero. Uh, yeah, Ricky Romero. All of those guys, oh, it looked like, okay, well, this is really an inexperienced group who's going to need some some guidance. Um, but, but they could potentially have, you know, a, a few long-term major leaguers in there. Now, did that work out? Eh, not really for everybody. Uh but that's how long it's been. I mean, it's been almost a decade since we thought of the Blue Jays at all as a young team, in my mind. Yeah, and, you know, the baseball perspective has just put out its Blue Jays' top 10 prospect list. And 
for the third straight year in a row, and this time I didn't write it, so it's not just me. <laughs> the the top ten players under twenty five led with the Jays are old. <laughs> hmm. And this uh, was again, this is referencing last year's team. The Jays were old, and now we're seeing finally the transition towards youth. Yeah, I, I think obviously out of necessity, but yeah, th- this is this is really going to be a big test of whether they are actually developing players. You know, beyond the obvious Vlad Guerrero Jr., who I I don't think there was much development for the team to do with him. Uh, <laughs> I think he's a bit of a natural talent that way and a hard worker. Um, you know, are they able to, do, you know, find a couple diamonds in the rough to go with these supposedly can't miss prospects? Yeah, and that's what we have to wait on. Indeed. Now, the one thing that we did not see on the Major League Coaching staff, as we mentioned, was DeMarlo Hale. Uh, last week, we were talking about where he would end up. Does he have a job? Like, I don't understand. Technically, he's still under contract. So, yes, he has a job that he doesn't have to do anything, which is the dream. (laughs) (laughs) Hook me up. (laughs) It'll be very interesting to see what's going to happen there because DeMarlo Hale, prior to coming over to Toronto, was considered a budding managerial candidate. And he's interviewing at a lot of different places. And then since coming over here to work on John Gibbons' staff, the trend has sort of gone towards younger managers, which we saw a lot you know, with Chris Woodward and Rocco Baldelli and players like that getting hard in this offseason. The Jays bucked that by getting Montoya, who's in his 50s. But that's sort of past hail by. So I'm really curious what's going to happen with him. I bet you he's curious, too. Luckily, collecting a check while he's got some time to be curious. Yeah. So the non-tender deadline is tomorrow. Um, we talked about the potential for players to not get contracts. Is that list really that long with the Blue Jays? I don't think so. I mean, Jan Hervis-Solarte is a no-brainer. Yes. He's not going to be tendered a contract because his protected arbitration number is higher than his option. And they already paid a buyout on the option. So <laughs> it would make no sense to tender Solarte a contract. But the other ones, Stroman, Giles, Grichuk, Sanchez, those guys are locks. Same with Tepe, Ryan Tepera, Brandon Jury. The other guys who are sort of on the bubble, Joe Biagini, Ryan Tepe, uh, Devin Travis, and Kevin Pillar. I think with this glut of infielders, as much as I absolutely love Devin Travis, um, I, could, I could see the team non-tendering him. Yeah, I mean, his arm projection isn't very high. It's $2.4 million, so give or take a couple hundred thousand. That's probably what he's going to get. But it's the roster spot, right? Yeah, and I mean, if you can bring him back on a minor league deal after you non-tender him, there's there's no way, I don't think he, you know, with his production and his playing time and everything, uh, yeah, I don't know, $2.4 million, as, as much as it's a lot for you and me, Seems like a good good spot where the team might save some money and still end up with the player at the end of the day. Yeah, I don't I don't know if they could get him on a minor league deal. And also, they might just tender him the contract. But I just think he's one of those guys who's in question, just as Kevin Pilar is. Pilar is making five, projected to earn $5.3 million, which is getting to the point where if last year's declines are part of a trend and not just an issue with Tim Leeper's coaching of the outfielders, then his value could start to seriously be outstripped by his pay. Mm. soon that's a dream of ours really that he would they would see that and not continue <laughs> with kevin pilar but that's you know that's our dream it might not be the blue jays dream yeah if i had to bet i would say that he's going to get a contract it also i would also bet the same for travis but i just think they're not as much locks as some of those other people 
Now, do we really think at the non-tender deadline about other players who might be non-tendered from other organizations? Like, do, do we spend a lot of time on that speculatively? I mean, I don't spend a lot of time, but I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from the, you know, someone who follows a little more granularly what's going on with transactions. Somewhat. I, I think it's far more interesting after the deadline because it's, it's hard to predict what other teams are going to do. Mm -hmm. You know, for a lot of teams, Jonathan Scope is the interesting one to watch because the Brewers are probably going to non-tender him. He's due 10 million bucks, but he's only 27. And he had a fantastic year in 2017. So it, it's guys like that whose who's salary just slightly is going to outstrip what they're, what they're necessarily worth that sometimes hit the market and all of a sudden they're really useful free agent targets. Right. But you, like you said, hard to guess on those. So it's much easier to look once the market is open up because we know what day they're going to be on the market. It's going to be the day after tomorrow. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so we'll probably come back to this next podcast uh, when we have some real names to add to that. Which leaves us with some rumors. Speaking of which, is the Russell Martin rumor. So I guess one thing we didn't mention with. Um, Man, I'm going to remember his name. John Schneider. Thank you. The amazing Schneider man. Can I remember that? Um, John Schneider is rumored to be a, there at the major league level to help with the catching um, development. Yeah, and this, is, this, as you mentioned, is the interesting part of it. So he's a minor league catcher, and his duties were listed to working with the catchers and occasionally roving down to the minor leagues to work with some of those catchers. But the reason it's more important with the big league team is because Russell Martin's apparently on the block. Yeah, and I mean, I guess you and I might have envisioned Russell Martin would be the one, you know, tutoring uh, the up-and-coming catcher and not getting nearly as much playing time uh, because his skills have obviously eroded uh, to a point where being an everyday catcher doesn't seem to make a lot of sense for him. But if you have a coach who's dedicated to that, that eliminates the need for for a russell martin on the roster it does but it, what, what makes it sort of interesting though is like from the rumor that jeff passon put out earlier today about the jays being willing to seriously pay down martin's contract what's the point i mean <laughs> unless they really really want to have luke maley on the roster which yeah, he's luke maley i don't really understand why they wouldn't just bring martin back because then he can be a secondary voice i mean look coaching is really important and players listen to their coaches but they listen a lot to their teammates too and and as far as a coach goes on catching it's hard to do a lot better than russell martin yeah we, you would think that that his dedication to technique on the defensive side of things on the actual catching side um, and planning yeah and it, all of that would be valuable um yeah i don't I don't disagree with you at all. It just does seem like they're kind of trying to line up to, to have another plan in place that's not Russell Martin. And then, I mean, that is the right way to operate. If they, someone actually says, hey, we'll give you a decent player if you pay Martin's entire salary, yeah, do it, right? Well, but, yeah. But if it's just, if we want to save... Not an infielder. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But if, yeah, but if it's just that they want to save, you know, 1.5 million of the 20, then, then that's silly. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're paying for Russell Martin. You have to be getting something more than Russell Martin would offer you uh, on the field in order to, mm -hmm. to do that. You're not just trying to get him out of the way to... Because the, the, other, the other player is, is Maguire, right? Yeah, I think Reese Maguire's going to start in Buffalo regardless. I, I, I just think that this is clearing a way to have 
Jansen and Maley be the the tandem with Reese McGuire playing every day, well, as much as catchers play every day in AAA. Yeah, because I was going to say, you don't want a team with two rookie catchers. It doesn't no. make any sense. For exactly the reasons we outlined, catching is a slow-to-develop position on, on that side of the ball and is extremely difficult on, on the body. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know how soon we're really going to find out whether Russell Martin is actually being shopped because I can imagine that would take a while to put together if they're trying to figure out what kind of value they want to get back for him. Yeah, uh, and especially with rumors that Chris Iannetta is also on the block and Chris Iannetta was much better player last year. Well, and Brian McCann just signed for two million bucks. Yeah. Um, apparently he had bigger offers that he turned down because he's from Atlanta and he wanted to go home. Okay. So I don't know how much his actual he signed for represents the market, but it's not great. <laughs> no, I mean, n- nobody's nobody's paying $10 million of Russell Martin's sal- uh, salary in, in any salary oh, I can no. imagine. Yeah. Uh, so I speculated on this. I wanted your answer for it. I don't think you responded because you might not have seen the tweet. But who will get paid most per Major League pay- plate appearance next year if they are both on the Blue Jays? Troy Tulowitzki or Russell Martin? <laughs> I'm just, you know, like I, I I can't go against what I said last time. I was doubling down on Tulo, so I got to say Tulo. And what which catcher did I just say with Martin? By the way, I think you said Melee. Or, no, you, oh, you said Jansen and Melee, didn't you? Instead of Jansen and Martin. No, I was talking about the one that was on the on the trade the trade market. But Ionetta. Okay, good. That's wrong, <laughs> but that's fine. <laughs> um. So you're you're actually betting that sorry that Martin will get paid most per plate appearance because you're betting on Tulo's return to fo- some kind of form. Yeah, I, I think Tulo will play, and All I right. think Martin will. You know, play he's going to be the backup. <laughs> All right. right, we will revisit this. I just like to give you a hard time about something in the podcast, and here you go. It's no, I, I've let myself get given a hard time on that one. <laughs> But, uh, you know, that's that's fine. All right. On, <laughs> on to lighter news. Uh, the Blue Jays have announced... And it was Francisco Cervelli, by the way, not Chris Iannetta. I just wanted to get that correct. There we are. Pick, yeah. pick a catcher who's been around forever. Um, <laughs> Cervelli's okay. the one who had really good numbers. He always has really good on-base percentages. So. Cool. Uh, the lighter subject is, of course, that the Blue Jays have released their schedule for promotional materials and promotional-type nights in the 2019 season, which uh, it might be really more important than your average season. If, if the t- team is as young and uh, inexperienced as we think it, it might be. Uh, the, big, the big shocker is, is Looney Dogs Night. And no, that's not a bring your dog to the ballpark. No, that is, that is you can pay a dollar for a hot dog um, on seven different nights. No, sorry, six different nights. Six. Six. Uh, one per month this upcoming season. And, I, you know, the only thing that excites me more than a regular hot dog, of which I am unsure of the contents, is a $1 hot dog, <laughs> of which I am completely unsure of the content. They are the same hot dogs. <laughs> Let's be clear on that, but still they, unsure of the contents. There was a stadium that, that offered up a... It was not the standard ballpark, Frank, on their dollar dog nights, and I'm trying to remember which one it was. Um... But yeah, it was actually a a, a, a stripped down version, of, like a smaller hot dog, in order that they they get under that one dollar. And I was like, really? 
Okay, fine. Uh, there will be I, a limit. I'm kind of a fan. Sorry, go ahead. There will be a limit of four per trip to the counter. Yeah, not four per customer. You can go back six times and eat, you know, <laughs> 24 hot dogs if you want, but then you might be insane. Yeah, I'm feeling ill when you just said that. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> you probably should. My favorite, though, my favorite giveaway is the TGIF Jersey Friday player TBD giveaway yeah. replica jersey i've i have been a fan of tbd for at least the last <laughs> three years and i've been waiting for them to have a jersey uh of him it's gonna be vlad jr but they can't say that yet because he hasn't been called up <laughs> i suppose um either that or they could really troll everybody by putting the, the uh considerations on the back because <laughs> <laughs> cash considerations is involved in a lot of transactions he's been a blue jay many times player to be named later yeah that's what what they should have put they shouldn't have put tbd it should have put player to be named later that would have been obviously not baseball people in charge of the promotions list yeah Uh, (laughs) that would have been really funny (laughs) yeah and then if things aren't going well you can actually get the jerseys printed with that the number like zero or 99 Uh, there are some fun ones on there though oh absolutely uh there is a a lordis guriel Pina Power bobblehead, uh, the Marcus Stroman strong gnome. Uh, it should have been Noman. Come on. Yeah, the no man, no man. But yeah, I'm gonna go with strong gnome just because pronouncing no no man. No, not doing it. Okay, strong gnome <laughs> on Mother's Day. Uh, what is a Randall? I don't know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> on June 28th, we're all gonna find out. I like the on Country Nate, they're giving away Justin Smoke's Smoky Barbecue set. That's actually kind of useful. Didn't they do that last year? No. I feel like there's been a Smoky Barbecue thing before. Maybe I'm just uh, not, imagining not recently. good suggestions. Um, they're also giving a relaxed denim hat away on Canada Day, which I'm, I guess the Canadian tuxedo is denim. Is that what the tie-in is? <laughs> I guess. I didn't think about that. And in case you missed the 1990s, they're giving away a fanny pack on September 28th. Oh, God. Um, And then I like the, on July 5th, the retro powder blue George Bell jersey. That's pretty good. That is, I would say that's the most legit Blue Jays, you know, identifiable thing. Um, Unlike Friday, September 13th, Blue Jays zombie night. Includes a Blue Jays zombie giveaway of indeterminate material value. <laughs> yeah, I don't really understand that one. And they're doing a camo hat giveaway. I, I didn't know those were still a thing, but yeah. So all of those uh, pieces of information, by the way, were credit to uh, Ian Hunter, the Blue Jay Hunter, um, at the Daily Hive TO. That's where I'm grabbing all my info from. So Okay, I got it from Twitter when the Blue Jays released it publicly, but sure. Shout out to him for putting it in a format that I can understand. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. All right. Um, So, yeah. One more thing before we move on. Okay. We really should talk about the players the Blue Jays added to the 40 minute to avoid the Rule 5 draft. Oh, can can I play it now? Go for it. All the night that Patty Murphy died is a night I'll never forget. Some of the boys got loaded drunk and they ain't got sober yet. There we are. I got to play it. (laughs) Yay. Uh, Yeah, apparently there is a Patrick Murphy who plays for uh, the Blue Jays. And no, (laughs) he's not dead. (laughs) No, he lived. He made the 40 man. Yeah. (laughs) Who else? So the Jays only added five players, which... 
some people were questioning this. I'll get to the in a bit. But Patrick Murphy, as you just alluded to, <laughs> Trent Thornton, who they just got for Ledmus Diaz, Yancy Diaz, who was dominant in A ball earlier this year or last season, Hector Perez, who they got for Roberto Zuna, and Jacob Wagasback, who they got for Aaron Loop. Jacob Wagasback sounds like something from a Monty Python sketch still to me. Every well, time you say it, it's going to keep sounding sounding like that. Um, so what I was saying before about people being a little upset about that, a lot of people were wondering why, given what we said earlier about uh, again Harvey Solarte's definite non-tender situation, and you know Mark Leiter Jr., who eventually was DFA'd to sign Oliver Drake again, who's bounced to like eight hundred teams in the last season. In Dalton Pompey, like why these people weren't let go to add more guys. And there were some people who were somewhat surprising omissions, I guess. You know, Jackson McClelland with his 100 mile an hour fastball in the bullpen, Travis Bergen, the dominant lefty. There are no lefty relievers on this roster. Mm. Forrest Wall, maybe, who they got for Sun 1 0. There are a bunch of guys who were noteworthy who were not added to the 40 man roster. The reason is that if they were added and all those players were jettisoned that I just mentioned, the for, the next time the Blue Jays added someone, a free agent or a trade or something that gives them an, an extra 40-man player, they would then have to designate one of these new prospects for assignment. And if you claim one of those guys on waivers, you can send them back to the minors. If you claim them in the, 40, in the Rule 5, you can't do that. So it's easier to keep them this way than it would be to add them and then waive them. So you are you are effectively leaving them off the forty man to uh, put a rule five penalty upon them. Yeah, exactly. And these, and you know, there's obviously there's still a, a calculus that they think some of these guys will not get claimed, but it also just means that the ones that they weren't sure about would having on the forty man all year, it adds that penalty, like you said. Which uh, you learn something new every day. I'd have to say on that for me. And I, all right. Yeah, that is enlightening. We should we should highlight this part of the podcast for people because it's the only time they're going to learn anything important. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? We learned about Smokey's barbecue set, right? Also, a key component of my 2019. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> what I'm thinking right now is we should probably take a quick break and come back with some questions. Sound fair? Sure. All right, we'll do that. That was it. It was a short break. I, I promised short. I gave you short. Uh, all right. So this is the time when we answer your questions, which uh, I don't have a shorter intro, but I, maybe I should this week. Yeah. Why? Because um, it's a short bunch of questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First, I ask a question, then you ask a question. And how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? So that stinger was very accurate this week because you only have two questions. So first you ask a question, then I'll ask a question, then that'll be it. <laughs> okay. I will uh, I will ask you a question from Kate Stanwick at OK Stan. Uh, there seems to be a lot of unhappy comments about the return of third base coach Luis Armswingin Rivera. I put the Armswingin in. Why do you think he was brought <laughs> back? And what are his responsibilities aside from sending or stopping runners approaching third base only for them to ignore him? I added that last bit as well. <laughs> what what does a third base coach do? Well, the third base coach does, you know, gets people thrown out at the plate when his name is Luis Rivera. But 
I'm almost certain. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that Lucifer also works with the infielders. Mm-hmm. And the infielders were okay last year. I mean, Alemis Diaz had the best defensive season at shortstop he'd had in a while. Lourdes Gurriel was a little better at short than people expected. I mean, he's still not good there, but better. And I think they wanted that continuity there. Well, I mean, Diaz is gone, but with some of these young guys who started to show signs of improvement last year. Uh, I think that's the reason. To be fair, um, they are also not just looking at um, uh, him as he approaches third or or getting the send home. Runners are looking at him pretty much anything that's behind them. They're relying on Rivera to relay info to them. I don't know if that's relevant or not, but... uh... Also, I presume uh, he doesn't have to hold any equipment like the first base guy does. Well, I I assume the question is more about what he does other than being a third base coach, not what the duties of a third base coach are. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Hmm. What is our second question? Second question comes from a name that you might be familiar with. Alicia Wisniewski Hmm. at Alicia the Noob. Is is that familiar to you, Greg? Uh, It's Alicia, but everybody screws it up. Alicia. Darn, I thought it would be Alicia, and then I said Alicia because I went for the safer route. (laughs) Shoot. Uh, Yeah, it's okay. It's happened for the last 16 years. Uh, Yeah, it's familiar. Uh, She's uh, in my living room right now, so she probably could have just (laughs) asked me this herself, but she was nice enough to, uh, to let us answer this on the podcast, which is... If you were to play on the Jays team, what position would you want to play on this Jays team? On this Jays team, uh, I would love to be the, I think, the setup man. I mean, I, I like our closer. Uh, now, this is not any part of actual physical ability. I'd like to just make that 100% clear. I don't think I could do this. But uh, I, I do enjoy, a lot of people tell me I have a, a calm demeanor in general. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm good under pressure. And I think making a lot of money for as little innings as possible is sort of that setup man, closer role kind of thing. So I think that would be cool. What would you like to do on this team, Josh, irrespective of your actual physical talents? It still has to be a pitcher because they don't have any of them, right? So <laughs> it's, it's easy to make the team this way. Yeah, it's like I have a good shot. <laughs> if, I, if I said an infielder, I'd never play because they've got 40,000 of them. <laughs> so Fair enough. I, I think that's what it, what it would have to be. You're still going to be a starting pitcher. Just a pitcher. Yeah, just they, they need like 900 pitchers. So. You know, that's the good squad. Not too picky about where they slot you. That's fair. I, I think that's very generous of you to offer up, um, you know, any arm at all. Thank you. Uh, all right. Th- that is our questions. I don't even have it like a, I, I feel like we should have a stinger to close out the questions just to make it extra ridiculous, but <laughs> we don't have one of those. <laughs> uh, we are going to hand out, of course, a do over. Oh my god, did he really just say that? But we can try again, right? You talking about a do-over, baby? Are you talking about a f***ing do-over? We believe in second chances. And so does the Major League Baseball Players Association. (laughs) (laughs) What? What's up with them this week? They extended Tony Clark's contract through 2022. Did Tony Clark... Why? Did he not clearly negotiate a subpar collective agreement in in every respect of the thing he screwed the players yeah like is 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 there any player i don't understand all players have done is complain about how they've been treated by ownership and the reason they could be treated the way they were treated by ownership since the last cba is because of the changes made 
to the CBA, which who was responsible for that? I forget. <laughs> oh, Tony Clark. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now they did bring in a negotiator, Bruce Meyer, you know, veteran attorney, but Tony Clark is still the man. Like he's like, the buck still stops with him. And the buck just flew past him last time. <laughs> It flew back to the owner's pockets. If they were buck catching classes, Tony Clark would have failed out. Um, yeah, that's a weird thing for me. I, I mean, is it just so you you don't look like you really dropped the ball when everybody knows that Tony Clark did not get what he should have or what he could have gotten out of the owners last time around? Or, or do you think the players are sort of like, well, we didn't really ask for anything, so Tony Clark delivered what we asked for, and now we're going to ask for more. He better get more. Yeah, I don't really get it. Yeah, okay. I was hoping we'd we'd uh, come up with that, but instead we just have a do-over. So, uh, I guess the real do-over for the MLBPA, they've done half of it. They've gotten a negotiator. But why is there a former player in charge of the Players Association this way at all? Does that Is, is that something that really needs to be just rethought completely? Yeah, it does. And we thought we've, we said this before. I mean, you it's probably good to have a former player as a top executive, just, you know, someone this they have a player's voice at the table. But running the whole show, you probably want someone who's more experienced running unions to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want someone who's good at lawyering or negotiating or any of that stuff, because um, there is there is no baseball component to these negotiations. This is about money. Yep. All right. I don't think they're going to do that over. <laughs> no, they, they can't because they signed a contract. Oh, yeah. Well, you had your chance, guys, and, and you blew it. Wait, we were we were drunk. It's not admissible. Well, that would be an interesting uh, spin on thing. <laughs> uh, the entire Players Association was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would explain the whole Jose Reyes Man of the Year thing. That's true. Which, by the way, was won by Curtis Granderson, which is very cool. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I didn't hear about that. And uh, yes. is, is that the first time he's won it? I think it might be the third time he's won it. I was going to say, because it, it would surprise me if it was the first time. He has yeah. he has very much been a very active community member and so well-spoken. I love listening to Curtis Granderson. And, and just on that topic, I mean, we're getting away from our do-over, but who cares? We're done with Tony Clark. Yeah. Uh, Curtis Granderson not only has been active in his community, he's been active in helping other players be active in their community. There was a great piece on BP Toronto that was by Sean Addis. He spoke to Curtis Granderson, and a lot of these players didn't really know what to do or how to do it, and he's been teaching other players how to reach out, which is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And and when I say he's well-spoken, he literally – you listen to me, and I um, and I ah, and I – like I have all these – I have verbal tics like most people do. Curtis Granderson never has a problem getting his thoughts into words. And it's just so pleasant to listen to when he's interviewed or when he's talking about something he cares about. Yeah. It goes a long way to keeping you interested also in what he's talking about or whatever his cause is. He's, yeah, he's just a really smart, gregarious, outgoing guy. He's awesome. You, yeah. I'm glad I get to say that Curtis Granderson was a Toronto Blue Jay, uh, mm-hmm. especially with, you know, with so many players in so many sports revealing themselves to not be there. I mean, they're just normal people. They have normal human flaws and, and everything else. Curtis is really a cut above. So again, like you said, kudos to him for the uh, winning that man of the year award. That was not on this, the, uh, the agenda I have, but I'm glad we made that little diversion. 
mm-hmm. now we're going to hand out a gold star for a completely different, much more frivolous reason. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Who gets the gold star, Josh? Chris Jimenez, or Jimenez. I actually don't remember how he calls it, but... I feel like he pronounces the G, but I I think he's Jimenez, yeah. But, uh... <laughs> so, he retired from baseball this year, this week. And that in itself, not exactly worthy of a gold star. No. It's how he did it. <laughs> Most players, they put out a post, you know, saying, I want to thank the fans for whatever, and my family, and blah, 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 and so on. And it, yeah, this is Jimenez, by the way. I just confirmed this. No, Chris Jimenez replied to a tweet, <laughs> quote tweeted, a tweet that says, Jimenez, you suck at baseball, bro. And he wrote, correction, I did suck at baseball. <laughs> that is Dan Heron level self trolling. <laughs> that was his retirement <laughs> announcement. Oh, yeah? Not anymore. <laughs> um, so I actually have. A distinct Chris Jimenez live memory of all things. Um, because I don't it's attend you? very many games live, as we've discussed before. I don't live in Toronto. Uh, in a Blue Jays, I believe it was a 17-1 to 1 game. Yeah, against Cleveland. Yeah, he was with Cleveland at the time, and he came in to pitch for, like, the second time. And his first pitch was, like, 68 miles an hour. <laughs> and we were like... Oh, it's going to be a long inning. <laughs> this, this could be bad. But at one point during the inning, Jimenez faced Russell Martin. So a catcher was on the mound, a catcher was behind the plate, and a catcher was batting. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> That's funny. He actually made 11 relief appearances in his career. Well, yeah. They, he's, as, as much as 68 miles an hour looks lousy, he, he, I guess he could still get a couple people out or people felt bad for him when he was finally out there. And uh, yeah, they used him a couple of times in the last couple seasons. Yeah. And so he he's not done with baseball. He was hired by the Dodgers and added to their coaching staff as their game planning coach, whatever the heck that means. It's better than major league coach, Josh. <laughs> it's hard not to be. <laughs> he has an actual title. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> That's the way it is. Um, yeah. I, d- I don't know what... I'm, sorry, what was, the, what was the title they gave him again? Game Planning Coach. Game Planning Coach. That sounds like someone who works with you on Settlers of Catan. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> what? The Game Planning... Uh, okay, well, you know, they say you gotta have a game plan. Now they have a coach, so they're good. Just for that, Chris Chris Jimenez. Um, he coaches you on how to create game plans. He doesn't actually do any game planning himself. Yeah. Yeah, I think because you got to be doing that on your own. It's your game yeah. plan. It's not Chris Jimenez's <laughs> game plan. Uh, so a gold star to you, Chris, for uh, for calling out someone who was clearly an idiot on Twitter and retiring in, uh, what, four, five words? That is not easy to do. All right. Well, uh, again, not a huge week in Blue Jays history. So uh, we are already, sadly, approaching the end of the podcast, at which point I would would open this up if you have a final thought, as somehow you managed to most of the time. (laughs) What do you got? I do. (laughs) (laughs) Not Blue Jays related, but funny. So 
There's been a lot of rumors flying around today that the Mets are very close to acquiring Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz. Why this is funny, Brody Van Wagenen, who we talked about as the agent, former agent, current GM of the Mets. Guess who negotiated Robinson Cano's contract with the Seattle Mariners? I get this is the three guesses. First two don't count again, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> well, I'm sure he's familiar with the terms of what he's trading for, as Brody has had his fingers in yep. the pot already. Uh, guess There's who got a, paid a, a commission to negotiate that self-same <laughs> contract that he's about to... That's the absurd part for me of the whole thing. He's actually... Is he technically still earning commission money on the things he used to... Like, that he previously negotiated? Does he get paid out every year? I don't know. That's, that'd be really interesting. <laughs> I like uh, to keep... No, I like Robbie, to keep Robbie, my you, don't, you don't want to buy out. You don't hmm? want to buy out. Keep that money. <laughs> I like to keep my commissions close. <laughs> so I'm bringing <laughs> them all into the organization. So, Cespedes Family Barbecue had a really fu- had a funny tweet about this. It's like Mets front office meetings. Front office guy. I like the idea of getting Cano, but man, who would ever believe a 31 year old second baseman would deserve a 10 year contract? Brody Van Wagen in five <laughs> hands up emojis. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> uh, he was apparently a, fa- a fairly prolific agent. This is going to be a mighty weird two or three years of of players who have some connection to him getting moved around. Fairly prolific. He was the co-head of CAA Sports Baseball Division. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't even know. That's crazy. I, I yeah. yeah. I, I, I still can't fathom what the Mets are thinking there. But they're the it's Mets. It's really weird. I should, should I play... Tanking. Sorry. Should I play Meet the Mets as our extra music this week? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go with Meet the Mets because I honestly don't have a final thought about this week uh, or the week <laughs> previous to it. We do appreciate your listening. Uh, we are going to, I, I can't promise an extra pellets episode, but for our patrons or for those thinking about becoming a patron, we have had some suggestions for extra pellets topics. So we're going to try and put one together in the next week or so for you and uh, get that out to our patrons. If you want to know what being a patron is all about, you can go to www.patreon.com slash turfpod and see what other goodies you can get access to other than just our extra pellets episodes. So, that said, uh, you have been Joshua Housen at Joshua Housen, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 124, and we will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Because the Mets are really sucking the ball, knocking those